0: At church, it's good to be with you today. Today's just going to look a little different. It already does look different. Uh, this is a different place for revival. If you've been a part of, of revival for very long, you know, and you're kind of used to this idea that revival is a movement. We don't just go and we sit and we stay. We go where He calls us to. And, and right now, yeah getting a little feedback there. My sound guy will take care of it, though. He's got me. Right now, this is a place where he's clearly opened doors for us to be, and he has us here for a reason together in Waterloo on this Sunday. And and I got to tell you something. Like, this past couple weeks, there's just been these moments that keep hitting me. How do we draw closer to God? And and we're going to look at this story today. And this story, as we're looking through it, there's something that he wants to teach us in it, and it still applies, whether it was thousands of years ago, but if it's in his word, it's still true today. And there's something here we need to read together. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites, they declared war on Jehoshaphat. And messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazon Tamar. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. You ever been in that place where you're terrified, you're scared, you don't know what to do and you're just asking him for guidance? That's where he was right here as leader of God's people. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. That's what we do when we don't know what to do. Just seek his help. Just go to him and ask, God, I don't know what to do right here, right now in this place, but we go to him and we seek him in those moments that we're lost. Jehoshaphat, he stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord and he prayed. Oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Even when you don't feel it, declare it. Even when you don't feel it, when you feel the army surrounding you, when you feel like death is at your door, declare truth into the darkness. Man, this past week, I... I don't know, I, I, I got to tell you this story. Like, I got this phone call on Monday morning from a mom in our church who, who said her daughter is going into the hospital. And, and, and they were scared. Death was knocking at the door. And all we could do was pray and declare God's goodness in that moment. All right. All right. I love you, (laughs) Manny. I love you, Michelle. And I'm glad you guys are here today in this moment. And his hand was on you. And you declared truth to the lies. You declared who God is in the darkness. And Mandy told me later on that she had peace every moment of the way. She was not afraid because she knew even if this was her time and it was over here on earth, she knew that the victory had already been won. She knew where she would be when she woke up. Dang. Dang. Woo. It wasn't very hard to write a sermon this week. Let's just declare who God is and what he's done and what he's going to keep doing. Oh, my goodness. So he stood and he prayed, oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. There's an exclamation point. We say that with the authority of Jesus. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God. Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? He was God's friend. We're God's friend. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. That's why we gather in a church. Wherever that church is, it doesn't matter what building it's in, what location it's in, we're God's people, and when we gather, we gather in his name. And they said, whenever we're faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored, and we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Let's go, it's fun. This is what it should be. Like we, when we come into Memorial Stadium on a Saturday and we give our all and we stand for three hours and we yell at the top of our lungs, what we give God on Sunday is sin. It is. It is sin in comparison. It's idolatry, because we worship the things of this world more than what we will give to Him. And so when we come into this moment of worship, we should give Him everything we have. That's why we give Him our hands. We give Him our voice. We give Him our knees. Like, we drop all the way to our knees. If you want to, if you feel that, listen to Him in worship and give Him everything, because what we give Him on a Sunday too often is our leftovers. It's like, man, I'm tired from Saturday night. I'm tired from Friday night. God, you can, you can have me for 60 minutes and that's it. And then I'm out at 12, all right? Or I'm out at 11. I ain't staying a minute longer. That's the Western church. We're going back to church his way. That's what revival is. It's a return to the old. It's a return to covenant with him, to true relationship, walking with him and chasing after him with everything in us. Let's go back to that story about Jehoshaphat. I told you what they did, they they went to him and they declared who he is. They declared what he's done. That's what we have to do when we face the battles, when we face the darkness. We remember what he's done in the past and even though right here in this new battle, it doesn't feel like he's gonna show up again this time, we can go back to the old battles and remember how he's won before in our lives and how he made a way. He paved a way when there was he paved highways through the sea. I love that line. Like he makes a highway through the sea so we can walk through it. That's what he's doing and that's what he's still doing. And, and I'm telling you, Michelle and Mandy, that's what they felt on Monday. They were seeing right there at that moment. There was the sea in front of them and the army behind. There was death on both sides. And all they could do was remember who he was, what he's done in their past, how he's brought them through, and declare victory going forward. And, and I'm telling you, the doctors, when they put Mandy into the ambulance, they told Michelle this later on. They said, we didn't think she was going to live when we had to switch her from one hospital to the next. But God paves a highway through the seas. And he delivers us. Declare that today in your life. Declare Jesus' name over whatever it is that is binding you, that's holding you back, whatever you're facing, because He wants to break down every stronghold that the enemy has. He wants you to walk in freedom through this world, knowing that the battle's already been won. Declare it. Remember who He is and what He's done. Chapter 20 in 2 Chronicles, verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. That's one of the things I love about revival. We have moments where we worship everyone together. Like today, we got kids in the room, and we love that. I know some of them are coloring or whatever. That's okay. Like, we're just glad you're here. Because guess what? There's moments during worship that your kids are looking at you, and you don't even realize it. And they see their mom or their dad praising and declaring who God is over their lives and their family's lives you are breaking generational curses in this moment. You are breaking it off your family by faith and they are seeing it lived out in their mom and their dad and their grandma and their grandpa. There they were gathered together. The spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mathaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said, listen, All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There is a spirit of fear. And I told you this last week. You can look at Colossians. But in Colossians, it tells us the spirit of fear, just like what I was telling you last week, it appears as wisdom. Colossians 2, 23. The spirit of fear has an appearance of wisdom. Wisdom. There's gonna be things that we do as believers that, that we do as a church that the world's gonna look at and they're gonna say, That's not wise. There's gonna be people that say, Should you guys really go to Waterloo this Sunday? And then, yeah, you know, right here in this moment. Should we be here? Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt he wanted us here and he opened this door for a reason. Don't listen to the spirit of fear. Because he appears as wisdom, but he's a liar. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by the mighty army for the battle is not yours. Remind yourself that every time you face a battle, it's not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. You gotta step into position And then you watch the victory. Guess what? Here in Waterloo today, we had to step into position. We just get to sit back and watch his victory today as chains and strongholds are broken off of people. Freedom is found. Just take your position. That means that you still got to take a step of faith and step into the position he's calling you into. Right now, there's some of you in here, he's put a call on some of you to do something and you're afraid because you don't know what it looks like or what it's going to result in. And he's saying, just take a position. Take that step into what I'm calling you into and watch me win the victory. Watch me win. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Keep declaring that over and over. Every time you feel that fear creeping in, speak truth to the lies. You're going to feel like a crazy person. But guess what? Great great believers, they're not afraid to speak truth to the lies and to say it out loud, okay? That's what, that's what great faith is made of. They speak truth in the darkness over and over. And you're going to look like a crazy person talking to yourself. Who cares? Declare truth to the lies of the enemy. Then King Jehoshaphat, he bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, they did the same, worshiping the Lord Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. You praise him and you shout as loud as you can before you go to battle. Even if it looks like there's no chance at victory, you praise him for what you know he can do. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets, and you will succeed. Church, let's stand right here. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. This is what they sang Give thanks to the Lord, His faithful love endures forever. That's bold, crazy, stupid faith. We talk about that a lot at revival. We want to be a church that people look at and they say, That is stupid, that is dumb. We want them to say that about us because that means we're taking a step of stupid faith and putting our trust and faith in who he is and not ourselves. And So they sent the worshipers ahead to battle. This is how we fight our battles. We send a team of worshipers ahead, and that's what we do. We worship before we go to war. And he's taking back territory today in this place. He's taken back the hearts of his people, people that have been far from him, people that knew him at one time but have strayed away. He's claiming territory again in the hearts of his people. And we're going to war and we're declaring that in worship right here before we face battle with the enemy. Let's declare that victory. I want to finish that story about Jehoshaphat and the worshipers being out in front, leading in worship into battle. There is nothing, like if you're going to war today, there is nothing more stupid than putting a bunch of singers out in front of your, your army, right? Like if we, if we go to war and we put Taylor Swift out in front of that army, okay, actually people might be like, whoa, we don't want to shoot Taylor. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of big Taylor fans out there, all right? It would look stupid and foolish to the world. And, and so they go to war with their worshipers at the front, singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab, Amnon, turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness... Here they were marching towards this battlefield with the worshipers out in front. They didn't know what they were walking into. They didn't know what they were going to see when they got there. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. That was how vast this army was. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. As I was reading that this past week, that's what really jumped out at me. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. How many valleys do we go through in life and we don't see the blessing? How many times are we coming up on the valley and we can see what's ahead of us and we don't want to go through it? We don't want to face it? We've gotten word about something in our life. We've heard the diagnosis. We've heard from that estranged kid. I don't know what is going on, what valley you are facing, but when you're coming into the valley, you don't want to be there. You want to be anywhere but the valley. And I'm sure as they were marching there, even as they were singing with their lips, there's probably still that voice in the back of their head saying, there's only death ahead. There's only defeat ahead in this valley waiting for you. That's a lie from the enemy. Because the truth of God, the truth of God declared and showed them that there's a blessing in the valley. There's more than you can even handle. It takes you three days to carry the blessings out of this valley. There's a valley that we go through in life, and they come and go. And too often, we're just looking. We want to get to the next mountaintop. We want to be on that next high, high point, that high mountaintop with God, and just declaring, "Oh man, life is good. Life is so good. Thank you, Lord. You've been great to me." But there is a blessing that we miss out on in the valley if we're not looking for it. Don't miss the blessing in the valley, no matter what you're facing. No matter what trial, no matter what persecution, no matter what death, no matter what you face in this world, remember that even in the valleys, there's a blessing that he wants to give you. And he's going to form you in the valleys in a way that he can't form you on the mountaintop. And he's going to draw you closer to him in the valleys than you may have ever drawn close to him on the mountaintop. Because sometime on the mountaintop we forget who he is and what he's done and we begin to look at ourselves and declare our own glory and think, man, look how good I am. Look what I've done. Look how I've gotten myself to this point. But in the valley, that's where we only have him to turn to. That's all we can do in the valley. There's a lot of people that I think would have said that this church here in Waterloo, it was in the valley a few weeks ago. It was in the valley of death. And there were people saying, man, this might be it. This is about the end. And I think God was just saying, no, 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 no. Watch, there's a blessing in the valley. Just when you think the doors are about to close and God is done here, he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not done. Declare my praises and worship me and watch me work. All you gotta do is step into the position I've called you into and I will deliver. Trust him. He's good. He wants to deliver. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to look, but I know that just when you thought the valley was here, and this is where it ended, you walked into this valley today, and you saw life, and you saw blessing. That's what he's doing. Don't let him stop you from walking forward into that valley Don't let fear win. Step by faith into the position he's called you into. Declare who he is. Worship him before you go to war. And believe in the victory that's coming. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. I'm praying for this area, for this church, for this group of believers, that the fear of God would come over us, that the fear of man would be crucified and that we would only care about what God says and what his word says and what his promises declare. That's the fear of God. When we walk in complete obedience to the word instead of the world, and he's calling us into that today. And as we, as we step into that calling, he begins to take back territory. And we're no longer fighting for land anymore. We're no longer fighting a physical battle. We've stepped into a spiritual battle because of Jesus' victory on the cross. And so now, we step into new territory, and we take back the hearts of men and women for the king. That's what we do as a church. Go to Ephesians here. Look at what the battle looks like today. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. When we came out here a few weeks ago as a team to start praying and getting to see kind of the landscape of this area and what God was calling us to step into when it came to this battle here today, we stepped out in worship and prayer. One of our worship leaders, she got on the piano over here and started leading our people in worship impromptu. <laughs> that was cool. Ah. And then we gathered for prayer, and then we, we sent our prayer team out, of, out ahead of us to worship and declare victory and to pray for what God was going to do in this place, in the people in this area, and in our lives and in our hearts. There are powers and principalities at work in this world. We cannot lose sight of that. There is still a spiritual enemy that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way he wins is if we give up and stop walking forward with him. That's it. He wants you to believe that there's only death ahead in the valley. He wants you to stop walking before you get to the valley and you see God's victory that is laid ahead of you. Don't stop walking. And so today in this place, we declare victory in Jesus' name, we declare healing, we declare freedom, and so whatever it is that you've been bound by in this world, you have a chance today to step into freedom because of Jesus. In fact, one of these nice little ladies uh, from Waterloo, they said, should we fill the baptistry for this Sunday? And I said, yeah, let's fill it by faith, because who knows, somebody might want to say today for the first time in their life, I want to repent from my old way. I want to repent from the world behind, and I want to turn to the King. If that's you today, come up here and find us. Our prayer team is going to be right up here. They didn't know they were going to be up here. They're going to be up here. They're going to be praying with you, and they're going to walk you through that if you're saying for the very first time in your life, I want to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. I want to declare him as Lord and Savior. This is the day to do it. The water's wild, right? The water's warm. There's a, so, there's a song we do called The Water's Wild. Sometimes it's wild. The spirit of fear is telling you right now, no, 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 just stay in your seat. The spirit of fear is saying, no, no, you're going to look weird. You're going to look stupid. Stupid faith gets up and walks forward. Stupid faith gets up and declares victory. Stupid faith isn't afraid to go and ask for prayer over what's been binding them, the chains that have been surrounding them, the strongholds that have been built up in their life. You know you got a stronghold. If there's something that you've been, know, like the darkness has creeped in and they, they started with a foothold and now they've built a stronghold, Jesus wants to break that in his name today. He wants to declare victory over your life and, be, and he wants to invite you in. Because you're his son and you're his daughter. And he wants to mark you as his and not the enemy's. That's what baptism is. It's a declaration of war against the enemy. It's saying, no, 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 I'm not with the world anymore. I'm stepping in to the Father's house. And I'm going to follow after his heart with everything I have. And so I'm telling you this because when we prayed, our our prayer team, one of the things they did, they gathered up at the end and they talked about what they were sensing and what they were hearing from the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that was clear was that there was a stronghold in this area, that there was a demonic presence in the area of Waterloo that said, no, 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 no. this is my territory. But they could sense it breaking as they prayed. Because God wants to move in this place and break that principality off of our lives so people can step back into freedom and real relationship with him so they can walk in obedience to him out of love to the Father and love for his word. And so that's what's going to happen today. I'm declaring it right now. I'm declaring victory. There's some of you in here today that as we stand to worship, you're going to come forward and you're going to ask for prayer for the first time in your life because you don't know how to face this battle in your marriage. You don't know how to face what's going on in your relationships with those around you. And you don't know how to face the darkness anymore on your own. You don't have to. Jesus is going to break every chain and every stronghold in this place. I'm declaring it in his name right now. There's one last story, and then I'm going to be done. It's in Judges. Go way back with me to the Old Testament. Judges 4. The judge at the time was Deborah. And the Israelites, once again, they're, they're facing a battle ahead of them. I'll start here in verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. For the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy in enemy army all the way to Harosheth, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Hebar the Kenite. And because Hebar's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come into my tent, sir. This is the enemy commander. And She's an Israelite. And she said, come on in. Don't be afraid. So he went into his tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. You ever heard this story? Sorry, we got kids in here. This one's R rated. When Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him. He was the commander of the army that had been hounding the Israelite people, her people. And she crept up with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand, and she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground so he died. You know how hard it is to drive a nail? Like, you ever thought about that? Like, just how hard it really is? Like, it, it takes you a couple times, right? Like, I, I don't think... Is there anybody here that thinks, like, just one shot, they could just knock it in? Like, like when I, while I'm reading that, what I'm reading right there is she's saying it was... I mean, she drove the tent peg through his temple into the ground. One shot. That's not normal, right? Like, there's... Here you go. Here, let me show you my best one shot right here. Here you go. You guys ready for this? Oh, man, this is going to be bad. Ah, okay, I can't do it. I'm scared. You know, I don't think she had time as he was sleeping to go up there and, hey, can you hold still for a second while I get this tent peg started? I don't think she had that kind of time. I don't think she had time to just kind of tap, tap, tap. It was supernatural what occurred. Only God. See? I can't do it in one shot. Only God. One shot. I thought I was going to do it and it was going to look really cool. It's not. (laughs) That's how much better he is than us. And right now, the enemy, the enemy thought he had this place. He thought he had these people here. He thought he had them dry bones and dead in their graves and the battle had already been won. But I'm telling you, all it took today was one shot and the enemy's hold has been broken. And so we're going to get up. Let's get up and worship today. Let's get up and worship because right now the enemy has been defeated. He has no power here anymore.